0: Download Adam Sank's last comedy album on Amazon, iTunes, or Google Play. We're already in the shower together. The risk has been taken. If I don't blow you, the risk will have been for nothing.
1: to hear contains highly offensive and indecent material
0: Ryan pull down your pants
2: <laughs> <laughs> JB you start Let's. sucking
1: the host a comedian of questionable talent speaks incessantly on topics of a sexual and scatological nature. I will fuck you but I will not eat
0: you.
3: I want that fucking dick down my throat while I'm dicking him down. I okay. oh, my mother's listening. Your ass became a rosebud? Yeah, that's because I got dicked down real good. <laughs>
0: <laughs> he asks questions of his celebrity guests that are highly inappropriate and rude. Which of you has a bigger penis? Oh, that's a good one. That's a fun good one. Going down on the clitoris? Oh, yes. Oh, I like Absolutely.
1: where you're going with
0: yep. this. For some reason, the word strap-on just comes right out of my mouth, Bianca. Yeah, you
1: said cum and strap-on at the same time.
0: And he cannot
1: stop talking about his buttocks. I think your butt is telling you, no mas, por
0: Vivor. <laughs> this is the Adam Sank Show. If it's in my hand, I'm going to suck it. Powered
1: by DNR Studios. <laughs> and now... The one, the only, Adam Sank!
0: Welcome back. Your dreams were your ticket out. Welcome back. Ryan doesn't even know, know this that song. Thing. That's the theme to "Welcome Back." Cotter. I don't know her. And welcome back to the Adam Sank Show. We are live for the second week in a row. I hate when this happens, but because of the June schedule, we have to be we have to come in here t- two weekends in a row. I know it's it a live. tough life. We're doing it live. So if you're listening at 11 a.m. Eastern on Saturday, June 8th, 2019 at dnrstudios.com, the only place you can listen to this podcast live. Um, Then you're hearing it live. What what else can I say? Call in, please, someone at 844-825-5367. Listen, Charles, Gail, our two most reliable listeners. You guys haven't called in a while. If you're listening live, just call in, just so we know it's working. We know the stream is happening. Um, For the rest of you, please leave the Adam Sank Show your ratings and reviews on iTunes or whatever platform you listen to. The show on Email me Me At Adam AdamSank.com Like the Adam Sank Show Facebook page And please download My second and final Comedy album It's called Adam Sank's Last Comedy Album It's available on Amazon iTunes And Google Play And after you listen to it Leave a review And if you listen to Individual tracks on Pandora Give it a thumbs up Our guests today Are Mike Balaban And Tom Walker They are two men Who founded a, a, a Sort of a new website Called Bammer dot co, not dot com dot co, and it is essentially essentially a an LGBTQ history site. Um, they post vintage photos of queer people through the ages, along with stories that accompany the photos. And it's kind of like a living history project. It started out with just one of them posting photos that he had from his life on his Instagram, and it grew into this much bigger thing. Um, so we're going to be talking to them about that. But first. You've already heard him speak today. I'm going to welcome everyone's favorite frost pig, my co-host, Ryan Frostig. Hello, dear. Um, question. Is this new, the second bell? No, there's always been two shade bells, but they're not usually so close to each other. They're different tones, too. So you can hit it if you, if oh, you wish. I will be hitting it. Actually, I think you have the better bell. I do. This, oh, yeah. That was Ryan's. This is mine. Mine sounds muted. I'm switching them. Can,
2: Sorry, I'm the host. Oh, okay. Ryan, Fine. how's your hole? It's seen better days. It's in, it's on the mend. Tell your listeners about why your hole is injured. Well, um, the other night I may or may not have hosted a, uh, little get together at my apartment, which involved me and, uh, five other piggy friends and, um, that's actual audio. Yeah. Uh, uh. I took uh, several dicks. Oh, there's a caller. Oh, calling calling. Oh, my goodness, we'll have to put this. Uh, this is so exciting.
0: And and long story short, Ryan uh, is incontinent.
2: Yeah, I'm having uh, I'm having some issues um, with uh, with my hole. Okay, caller, you say what?
1: I say I'm gonna have to start charging you if I have to keep calling you.
0: Gail, oh, Gail, welcome back to the Adam Sank Show, my dear. How are you?
1: And good. I can never tell when you're live or not live.
0: Well, we always say when we're live.
1: I, I, I must be missing that in the beginning.
0: Yeah, and we tease calls, which never happen. Mm. <laughs> Gail, how are things in Myrtle Beach?
1: Oh, just lovely. Just lovely.
0: You're not one of the parts of the country that's getting like, way too much rain, are you?
1: No, we got a little bit. No, we're not getting any of that flood stuff, thank goodness. No.
0: Good. When is Myrtle Beach Pride?
1: Well... <laughs> I haven't seen any. I don't know.
0: <laughs> I did once perform at a pride event in North Carolina. It was a um, Outer Banks Pride Festival.
1: I I don't I, I, well I don't know about North Carolina, but in South Carolina, like on Myrtle Beach, it's very touristy. Yeah. So and I do see gay couples like from out shopping and things. Uh, I see a lot a lot more lesbians. Than, than men cu- male couples. Well, but, le- um,
0: lesbians deserve I, a nice place too.
1: But I don't see any pride in anything, or I wish they had something. It'd be nice.
0: I'll tell you something. It seems like every city and town in America is now having its own pride festival. My little hometown of Summit, New Jersey, population 30,000 or less, just had its very first pride festival last night.
1: Hmm.
0: So you never know. Very exciting. Anyway, Gail, it's wonderful to hear uh, from you. Is there anything you'd like to tell us before we move on to our first topic?
1: Um, just take care of your butt.
2: I was gonna, I, Thank you, Gail. I was just <laughs> going to say, I think my butt is telling me no mas. No mas, por
0: favor.
1: Por favor. <laughs> just take care of it.
2: Yes, no. it's precious.
0: Gail is like our, uh, the butt monitor. <laughs> yes. She's, she makes sure that we're but all mother. practicing good she anal health. Mother
1: of butts. Butt
0: exactly. It's like you
2: just know, you just sense...
0: Gail, just so you know, my hole has never been healthier.
1: I worry about you. The way you talk about your sex life, you're punishing your body.
0: Well, who are you talking, you're talking
1: to, 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 me or Ryan? Oh, no, um, Adam, I, Ryan, well, I haven't heard enough about Ryan. Let
0: me tell you something. Ryan is a lot more sexually active than I am these days, and he's also half my age, so that, you know, it makes sense. Yeah. But, but my butt is practically a virgin at this point.
2: It's born again virgin <laughs> over here. Gail,
0: All we right. love you. Thank you th- both it's a- of you
1: need to take care of your body.
0: We will, will, and it's always a pleasure to hear your voice. Have a wonderful day,
1: bye, Gail. Have a bye. bye
0: Gail. Thanks, Gail. Well, people are listening live. That's good to know. At least one person, and they care, and they care about our holes. Speaking of pride, Ryan, yes. did you hear the one about the three douchebags in Boston who are trying to mount a straight uh, pride parade,
2: I, as they call it? I really, truly. Have no words. Um, Can
3: I just say any, anything that involves mount and straight just automatically turns gay. <laughs> <laughs>
0: and also turns JB on. Yeah. Oh, yeah, completely. He likes when straight people mount him. But this is disgusting. Um, these are they're all Trump supporters. Uh, and they're trying to to uh, to mount this parade for <laughs> August 31st in Boston, which I guess is when their are um, their regular LGBTQ marches. The city of Boston does not want this. The mayor is dead set against this, as are most of the people. Boston's a very gay-friendly city. Yeah. Um, but the, the the mayor says they cannot deny a permit to any group that wants a, to create a legitimate um, demonstration. And uh, so Mayor Marty Walsh says they're doing what they can to basically contain this and not turn it into like a really ugly thing, which, of course, it's going to be. I don't want to spend too much time on this because it's, it's, it's they're just it's, attention, it's, they're yeah. attention seeking assholes. But I will say that just this morning, this is breaking news, they have gotten Milo Yiannopoulos to serve as their grand marshal. Oh my God.
2: That is so embarrassing and just like really sad. I feel, I just feel for them. But also, like, what, what does straight pride, what would that look like? Well, it's so fucking stupid because,
0: it, you know, what what they miss is that we're not proud that we're homosexual. That's not what pride is about. We're not proud right. that, that, that we're men who fuck other men and women who fuck other women. We're proud that we've been oppressed and beaten and murdered right. and survived, that yes. we've somehow stayed together as a community and thrived and overcome huge obstacles and made huge political progress and created this incredibly vibrant, fun, creative, amazing culture that yeah has spread across the world. Right. That's what we're proud of. Yeah. Straight people have nothing to be, like, you, <laughs> there's no reason to be proud that you're straight, just like there's no reason to be proud that you're gay. Right. You don't have the struggle, you don't have the oppression, and you're not alike.
2: Yeah.
0: Straight people don't have a common bond just because they, it's, it's so the whole fucking thing is so stupid. stupid. But anyway, like straight people are canceled. Every year. I know. I know. I but this year, this, I have to say, this one's getting more attention than in the past. And so one of these three guys who is trying to create this straight pride parade, is an openly gay Trump supporter. He's one of these gays for Trump's people. Mm -hmm. His name is Chris Bartley, and they're calling him their gay ambassador. Oh, my God. One of the guys, John Hugo, says, quote, straight people are an oppressed majority. We will fight for the rights of straights everywhere to express pride in themselves without fear of judgment and hate.
2: What? That's not true that's a lie liza minnelli lies
0: hunky movie star chris evans tweeted wow cool initiative fellas just a thought instead of straight pride parade how about this the quote desperately trying to bury our own gay thoughts by being homophobic because no one taught us how to access our emotions as children parade what do you think two on the nose
3: (laughs) that's how i get a lot of my straight men in bed (laughs) right
0: scott evans uh uh chris evans brother scott is gay and he's a big ally. So uh, one woman who um, who spoke out about this, it, I don't even know if she's a comedian or a performer or just a regular person, but her name is Ava Victor, and she created this viral video of herself trying to convince her boyfriend to, co- to go to straight pride with her. Um, and uh, here's a piece of the video.
4: Oh my God, babe. Babe, pack your bag. We're going to straight pride. What do you mean, what's straight pride? Babe, you need to get online. Basically, straight pride is where all the straight people are going to gather and celebrate being straight. It sounds so I actually can't even fathom how fun this is gonna be. Hurry, get your stuff. Get your swim trunks. I don't know, might. there might be a pool. I'm gonna wear jeans and flats. What don't you get? It's basically straight people hanging out and having fun together. What do you mean that sounds impossible? I don't, I don't understand what's not computing. We have 364 days a year where we have unbelievable, unspoken privilege, and then we have one day a year, one day, where we get to celebrate having that privilege all year round. What doesn't make sense to you? I was born. <laughs>
1: That's
3: so
2: funny.
0: My favorite line is, I'm gonna wear jeans with flats. <laughs> So, thank you. I wear jeans with flats. Yes, we all do. Thank you, Ava. Thank you, Ava Victor, uh, for that. So, part of me hopes that, like, you know, tens of thousands of people show up to protest this bullshit, Mm -hmm. but part of me hopes that no one shows up. And it's just just these three assholes and Milo just, you know, having a pathetic little demonstration that no one gives a fuck about.
3: See, but the last time we we didn't pay attention to something, Trump became president. So well there is
0: that but but then there's also uh, incidents like Charlottesville where someone winds up getting killed so it's just
2: like I I don't feel there is a need for us as gay people to protest this I, I really truly think that it should just be ignored it's it's um, I don't think that we should be involved in this at all like I don't think it's even worth protesting. Okay. I agree. I think it's just stupid. I just stupid.
3: finished binge watching Supergirl It's kind of just reminded me a lot like this situation how pretty much aliens were the wrong people and it got down to, to Nazi code. I feel that we're going to be Nazis in the future because history is born to repeat itself and it starts off with something small like this. I Oh absolutely. I just feel we should be on the watch and like we shouldn't ignore it we should watch it well, yeah, gets any fire, put it to bed immediately. But no,
2: I like, agree. But it's like it's like they want... They're trying to... They're trying to antagonize. Exactly. So if we show up... And it's not a
0: real protest. A protest is for a real cause. Right. They're just trying to get people pissed off and get attention and get... Right. And, you know, it's it's attention-seeking. Yeah. That's all it is. Another homophobic douchebag Trump supporter is Brendan Dilley. And he posted a YouTube video. This goes back um, to, like... May 13th, but I'm still catching up on news stories here because we were off for a month. Mm-hmm. Um, Brandon Dilley posted a video about rep- Pennsylvania Represen- Representative Brian Sims. We've talked about him on the show before. He's this mm. openly gay, hot daddy. Hot. He's uh, a state representative in Pennsylvania, and he's very anti-Trump and very outspoken. When, I think what was when Pence came to visit Pennsylvania, he like took a picture of himself giving the finger. Right. He's like kind of a white gay... Alexandra, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Dilly, this douchebag, posted a 50-minute video to his YouTube channel uh, in which he refers to Sims as that cocksucker from Pennsylvania. Um, but then he starts saying something very strange. He says, quote, this dude's not fucking gay. Sims doesn't like the dick. Sims pretends to be gay because it provides coverage of his behavior because he knows anyone who goes against him will be labeled a bigot. Dilly continues, I don't think he's gay and I think we need to prove it. We should fucking demand we see him suck a dick before we believe he's gay. You're not gay, dude. Suck a dick. I don't believe you. I think you're just pretending to do it. A gay guy would do it. Suck a dick. Go.
3: Straight men will also suck dicks. I've run into many of them.
0: Queer TV ends the article by saying there's nothing quite like a homophobe asking to watch a gay perform oral sex on another guy.
3: That's, yeah. It's great.
2: Also, like, calling someone a cocksucker, like, it's one thing it's to call compliment. someone a faggot, but it's like, not only is it a compliment, but, like, women also suck cock. Mm-hmm. So it's like, we're all cocksuckers.
0: Well, that's where homophobia comes well, from. We're not it's, all it's, cocksuckers. Homophobia we're not. is an extension of misogyny. Right. You know, because women are lesser, according to these guys, in their mindset. And so... To suck a dick is to be like a woman, and there's nothing worse than that.
4: Mm-hmm. See, it's meanwhile, like bottom
0: it's like bottom shaming. Meanwhile, no woman sucks a dick as well as we do. Sorry. Wait,
2: wait, I got, so, I, I feel like mine still sounds better than sorry, yours. Sorry, not sorry. Here's mine.
0: <laughs> Speaking of cocksuckers, Jesse Smollett will not return to Empire officially. there was some speculation that even though he he, um, they had said he wasn't coming back for the next season they did pick up his option meaning like he could have always appeared on one or two episodes as a guest star or they could have brought him back this is interesting Lee Daniels the creator of the show tweeted because Variety had, had posted something about how Jesse Smollett might actually show up Uh, In the next season, Lee Daniels replied to Variety and said, this is not factual. Jussie will not, capital letters, N-O-T, be returning to Empire. Wow. Now, Lee Daniels didn't have to say
2: anything. No, of course not. In fact, he just
3: wants to be shady.
2: Well, that's the thing. It's like by saying something, he's making a very bold statement that like this is not to be uh, misinterpreted. Like he is not coming back. It is official. He's canceled.
0: Yeah. And, and, you know, I think more than anyone, Lee Daniels is so hurt and so angry yeah. by by the Jussie Smollett hoax because he was the very first person after the, the alleged attack to come out and say, like, this happened to my brother. And, of you know, he tweeted a picture of Jussie in the hospital with the with the bruise on his face. And he was like, you know. I stand with you, and we're all with you. We all support you. And Lee Daniels was like his first and biggest supporter. Yeah. And never questioned that he wasn't telling the truth until there was overwhelming evidence right. that he wasn't telling the truth. And the cast and crew of Empire, other than Lee Daniels, ha- are said to really have been standing by Jussie and really wanting him back. But Lee Daniels is not, not having, having him, it. Not having
2: it, darling nut. And I'm glad.
0: It. I think that's integrity. Yeah. I think as as one of the most powerful black men in show business, I think Lee Daniels has a responsibility to be like, we're not going to put up with with fake, yeah, hate crime hoaxes. Right. That doesn't. It's that that that's hurtful to us. Yeah. So we will not be seeing Jussie Smollett on
2: Empire again. Oh well.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
2: Meanwhile. I, I never. I I have to admit. I I I've, I think I've watched like one episode, so I I don't really know. I mean, was was he? Um, he obviously was an important character. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah he,
3: he was, was like one, one of the
2: four main characters.
0: Oh
3: the, wow. He's a middle son of of um the, yeah cook, cook, cookie? cookie and Lucian. Lucius. Right.
0: Okay. Yeah, and and they had they had two sons, right, or three?
3: had three sons. They have three kids. The Jesse's the middle. They have the youngest, who's the straight guy, and the oldest. Who's really hot, but not? jesus He just takes it to the business side. Oh so right, right. The, I forgot the
0: o- the oldest one is like this hot, like suit wearing daddy, mm-hmm. yeah. but he's bipolar, right? Yep,
3: and he, he's only dated white women. Yes.
0: <sighs> so and, and you know, then the middle one is Jussie, and he's a gay um, hip hop artist and singer, openly gay manager
3: bae. too, kind of following his. Mother and father's get
0: closer to the mic, JB. I'm
3: sorry. I'm sorry. Eat my bagel too. I'm trying to put food on the mic. I know. I'm like
2: looking at mine. Like mm, we I'm all sure. got
0: bagels and we didn't get a chance to finish them, and they're like mm. staring at us. And then we the youngest son is a straight sort of more hardcore hip hop artist. Yeah,
3: definitely. Um, he is what you would pretty much a young wheezy that's yeah
0: mm. not Weezy from the
2: jeffersons
3: <laughs> uh a little wait <laughs> oh, wait. wait but
2: my, for my white listeners but
3: um <laughs>
2: so when all of this happens when all this first broke like the um like the story first broke had they already f- filmed like where were they in Filming or had was the season they airing were in
3: the mid? The mid of the season that just finished. They were in the middle of it. They only had like four more episodes to record. Right,
0: and he wasn't on. They didn't make any new episodes with him after the incident. Correct. Right. They were kind of waiting to see what the outcome was of the case, and then when it was suddenly dropped and the evidence sealed, with no explanation from either the prosecutor or Jussie, other than like, "Yeah, I was telling the truth the whole time." Um, and, you know, now the brothers, the Nigerian brothers that uh, allegedly participated in the fake attack. Have a sex they're,
2: tape? They're <laughs> no, so that's, that's like two, like 2006, 2007.
0: They have a sex tape. Well, there was one of their lawyers did allege on some podcast that one of them had had sex with Jussie. Yeah, I mean. And I'm hoping that that part's true. Yeah, me
5: too.
3: I mean, he is a very fine man. Like, yeah,
0: Jesse or um, the Nigerian brothers,
3: both, both. Yeah. I think just Jesse's
0: very <laughs> handsome and talented, but uh, I don't find him sexy. I think
2: he's what? definitely what? sexy. What?
0: But but you my, know why? It's because he's half Jewish, and I never find Jewish guys <laughs> sexy. <laughs> wow. I, I it's too familiar to me. Sure, I get he looks that. like someone I would have gone to Hebrew school with.
2: My my question though is, they haven't dealt with his character yet. So in yeah, the they ne- haven't killed him off. They haven't killed him off yet, but that will probably be the case? I think, think so. Yeah.
3: Then, But then think of it as, again, he's a child. It's very easy to write off a multi-million off child. All they have to do is say, oh, he went uh, sure. across country to go find himself and yeah. never heard from me again. That's true. Very easy.
0: You guys, how about this? What if they killed off his character by having him be the victim of
2: a deadly hate crime?
3: That would be amazing that would actually be, I mean, like, that would be
2: a gag. It would be a gag.
0: And then someone it would be great sued, for ratings. And
3: then he would he sue, sue people for emotional damage. So Yeah, I don't think yeah, they, they could can, do that. Yeah,
0: yeah. It would also be in bad taste, but I would, uh, I would love, love. It. In other news, mm-hmm. I
3: don't
0: know if you guys heard this story. It broke uh, just in the past week. So, you know, George Michael died a while back. Yeah, Christmas right Day, peace. 2016. Really devastating. And sometimes I wake up in the morning and I think, God. Michael Jackson, Prince, Whitney Houston, and George Michael are all dead. Yeah, it's crazy to me because they were they were. If you you know picked like the top ten music icons of my lifetime, yeah, they're in that top ten, definitely.
3: But okay, so I was thinking about this over the week because I was watching a whole bunch of us old stand-up, like uh, Samoy, and she was talking about Whitney and Michael Jackson, and all these people dying. I'm just like. They're not really dead because of the incident and now they are immortalized and we could always go back and list them from when they came up.
0: sure, but you just days. you you like to see your your icons and the people you admire live to a ripe old age like Robin Williams too I cannot oh, believe yeah, that Robin no, Williams killed himself right I, I can't get over it and yes like he all of those people their best work was probably behind them except Prince who was like a creative powerhouse oh yeah, yeah. and Prince. always coming out with great music. But you still just want them to, like, you want them to come out at 90 at the Grammys and get, like, a standing ovation and a tribute, and you don't want to see them dead at, at 55 or 60. Right. Anyway, George Michael's ex, Fadi Fawaz, uh, will receive nothing. Damn. Out of the. Out of the... Something like $200 million... Estate that George Michael left. It says ninety-seven point six million pounds. I don't know what the exchange rate is today, but let's say it's like over a hundred million dollars. Well, he's getting nothing. Zilch. Michael left the bulk of his fortune to his sisters, Melanie and not Yoda, Yoda, or Yoda. Thank you. They will get an equal share of all the singer's major assets, including his two London homes. But according to the British newspaper, The Sun. Both of his former boyfriends, because he had two long-term relationships consecutively, uh, Fawaz and the other one was Kenny Goss, who he was with for 15 years. They will receive nothing. Nooch. Court paperwork issued last month uh, kick-started the proceedings to start dividing up the singer's estate. The other um, thing that I've been hearing, apparently this Fadi Fawaz allegedly is something of a problem. Hmm. If you'll recall, he went to the media and claimed that George died of a of a drug overdose. Oh, that's
2: right. That's not what
0: the coroner said. That's not what the family said. They basically said he just had a... I think it was a heart attack. But he kind of spread stir a, up some... stirred up a lot of shit. Yeah. And now, according to reports, he will not leave the home that they occupied together. He's basically squatting there.
2: That is delicious tea
0: George Michael died at his home at the age of 53 Christmas Day 2016
2: but they weren't they weren't married so like he's not I think
0: unless there was a prenup right which there probably wasn't because they weren't married I bet you if he sues he'll get something
2: just give him some money right
0: if you're the if you're the sisters you would rather give the guy a million dollars and make him go away right Then have some long, drawn-out case that's going to bring in all the dirt from their relationship, and he's got dirt. I'm sure. You know, George Michael, like many gay men, led a pretty sexually adventurous life, and there he was caught having bathroom sex that one time, and there was obviously drug use going on in in their lives, and so he could have videos, he could have pictures, throw a couple mil at the guy, and just like he still have 98 million left. Um, But yeah, apparently he's a bit of a problem child. In other news. Wanda Sykes is finally talking about Roseanne, and about her experience writing for the Roseanne reboot, while Roseanne was still on it. Mm. Um, she gave a really interesting interview to the New York Times, and they asked her about how the whole how she wound up writing for the new reboot uh, in the first place. Apparently, when she and Roseanne were working on last comic standing together, uh, afterwards Roseanne. Uh, and the producer of Last Comic Standing reached out to Wanda and said, Wanda, like, I want to I want to do a show uh, that gets young women out there and, and, you know, let gives them work, especially people of color. She said all the right things. Right. And. Wanda was like, that's exactly what I want to do. I want to work on a show like that, that puts out like that, that I um, can't I think of the word.
2: Okay. I'm the wrong person to yeah, ask. Yeah, that basically
0: sends out the right message about women and minorities and progressive causes. She was saying all Her the role right model, things, basically. Leader, leader. And so then the tweets started happening. And Wanda said, I don't even understand half of what she's tweeting, but it's a lot about Israel. And she's retweeting a lot of stuff that sounds nuts. So she said she and her partners, her the show partners, talked to Roseanne. And Roseanne was like, I don't know. I'm just reading stuff. There's a lot out there. And then Wanda says, and you know she's smoking weed, meaning Roseanne. Yeah. But whatever she was tweeting at that time didn't get a lot of play. So then the Valerie Jarrett tweet happens where Roseanne calls her a member of the Muslim Brotherhood and says she looks like someone from the Planet of the Apes. And Wanda looked at that and said... I can't can't condone this. So she emailed Bruce and um, Bruce Helford and Tom Warner, the executive producers, and Wanda said, guys, I can't be a part of this. Um, I got to get ahead of this. I can't stay silent. So finally, the Times asks Wanda, do you think Roseanne is a racist? And Wanda says this, which I think is very generous. I think she has some issues. She has said that she's had some mental issues, but I don't know. Here's the thing: You could be a good person and a racist and not even know it. All racism doesn't have to be nasty.
2: It's very true.
0: I'm not sure I agree with I'm that. I'm a racist
3: to everyone equally.
2: Well, it's like people <laughs> people don't always know that they're being racist. Some people don't uh, don't have someone to, to to call out their racism. So it's like if you're um, if you come from a predominantly white uh, community and you don't have People of color being like, hey, just so you know, that joke, that comment you made, it's a little insensitive. Then how would you know? But Roseanne
0: knows. Oh, right. Roseanne Barr, her the original Roseanne was such an incredible show because it was so progressive and it brought to light so many issues like... Uh, you know, workers, blue-collar workers, not having uh, enough pay, not being given health benefits, women being discriminated against, gay people being discriminated against, people of color. She she was a, a real proponent of of left-wing causes. Right. And and that's what was so amazing about that show was you had this very blue-collar kind of low education, low-income family in the Midwest, and yet the show was sort of the anti. It was it was kind of like All in the Family in that All in the Family really pushed progressive issues out into the mainstream. So Roseanne knows better. She right. knows that what racism is, and she knows what's right and wrong, and she's just lost her fucking mind.
2: Yeah, but her point was not all racism is nasty. <sighs> not that Roseanne... Not all
0: ignorance is nasty. Let's say that.
2: Right. Well, I mean, I think, I think that the idea of racism is...
0: It's inherently hateful. Yeah,
2: it's hateful, but i think what she's saying is like there's it's one thing to for a white person to say to a black something something a black person something racist that's like like hateful and mean and it's another thing to like make a joke that doesn't necessarily that the person making doesn't realize could be um like yeah exactly and so and it's not with any sort of what we were talking about
3: earlier
0: I just think Roseanne has has latched onto this really nutty far right ideology, and yeah. that's all she sees. That's the only thing on her Twitter account. And for some reason, all of the sane, reasonable people in her life can't get to her and, and be like, "Listen, this is what's really going well, it on." It is, me- yeah, mental illness. It's mental illness. Yeah, that's. I, I, I think she's. I think she stopped taking her meds. If, you know, if I may speculate. Um, in much uh, more positive news. Here in New York City, we have a city council speaker named Corey Johnson, who is openly gay, uh, openly HIV positive, and full disclosure, my ex.
2: Yes.
0: I dated Corey uh, sort of briefly, but for a couple months there, back when he was an aimless 25-year-old with no job and few prospects, and he's probably going to be the next mayor of New York City.
3: Look what you did.
0: He is the... Uh, city council speaker which is the most powerful position after mayor anyway
3: have you told him hey lately
0: i we do <laughs> keep in touch but uh not as much as i would like so anyway wednesday um he was on 1010 wins which is a news radio program here in new york and he demanded or requested an apology an official apology from the uh, new york police department for stonewall for their actions uh, on the night of, of the Stonewall uprising And the subsequent evenings um, In terms of the raid on the bar Which was done solely to harass uh, The LGBTQ patrons who were there um, The violence perpetrated against those patrons Not just that night, but for years prior to that He asked for an official apology The Police Department of New York Has never issued an official apology Or any apology for Stonewall Which of course happened 50 years ago this June And uh, So uh, the day that he said this, a police department spokesman said, like, yeah, we've already acknowledged that mistakes were made. Well, the next day, New York City Police Commissioner James P. O'Neill apologized on behalf of the police department for the officers' actions during the Stonewall Rebellion. He said, quote, the action, the actions and the laws were discriminatory and oppressive. And for that, I apologize. We have and we do embrace all New Yorkers.
2: I think that's. Um, it's that's a symbolic victory. Great.
0: Yeah, it doesn't change anything that's happened, and no. it doesn't mean that the New York City Police Department doesn't still have major problems, especially when it comes to people of color.
2: But it was—it's a nice. Gesture. But it's a
0: huge gesture, and I have to say, Corey Johnson is getting—he gets shit done. done. He really does. He's a great—he's a great politician and a great leader, and I'm psyched—the future to have the me- next mayor of New York City. Someone whose dick has been in my mouth.
2: Is that the only (laughs) one? And possibly other
0: places. Uh, And on that note, it's time for our Pride Roundup. The music went down fast. Okay, this is a huge Pride Roundup, so here we go. The following Pride celebrations are happening this week and next week around the world. Key West Pride. June 5th through 9th Albuquerque, yes. New Mexico June 7th through 9th New Orleans Pride June 7th through 9th It's Gay Pride Rome It's the Motor City Pride That's my dog barking It's the Motor City Pride Festival in Detroit, Michigan It's Sacramento Pride Athens Pride Varese Pride in Varese, Italy I hope I'm saying that right It's Ibiza not Ibiza, Ryan. Ibiza. Ibiza. Gay Pride, June twelfth through fifteenth in Shanghai, China. They're celebrating Pride, June thirteenth and sixteenth. This one's one of my favorites, Ryan. Tel Aviv Pride. Yeah. Tons of hot, hot circumcised the dick. People in yes. The world. Zurich Pride Festival, June fourteenth and fifteenth. It's Grand Rapids Pride Festival, uh, Edinburgh, Scotland, June fifteenth. Baltimore. Uh, Stonewall Columbus Pride in Stonewall, Ohio, Dallas Southern Pride in Dallas, Texas, Oslo Pride in Norway, Uh, Rhode Island Pride in Providence, and finally, June 15th and 16th, it's Denver Pride Fest out in Denver, Colorado. The Pride celebrations are heating up. It is Pride season. Yes, it is, honey. Tits out for the the boys. boys. Tits 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 out out for for the boys. boys. I wish everyone a happy and safe pride. And now it is time for our fabulous guest segment. And I'm excited to talk to these guys. Mike Balaban is an ex-banker who several years ago began posting photos from his 40 years of gay life on his Instagram account, Bammer47. His following grew to over 11,000 followers, and many of them began asking Mike to add stories behind each of the photos. Mike eventually teamed up with Tom Walker, a photographer, designer, and producer of Coffee Table Books, and together they launched the website Bammer.co, which features pictures and stories from LGBTQ people and their allies around the world. Joining us now in studio are the Bammer.co co-creators, Mike Balaban and Tom Walker. Hello. Hey, guys. Hello. And welcome. welcome. Get your faces in front of those microphones. Get real right close. In front. Right, right in front. Right. We're not going to hear you. Yes. That's perfect. You guys know how to do that. <laughs> welcome. Inter- Thank, you. Thank Interviewing someone about photos is a bit of a challenge for a, a podcast or radio show. But Mike, describe if you can the kind of pictures that you started out posting on your Instagram.
5: Well, I had no idea that these pictures were going to resonate with an audience the way they did. Um, so I was initially putting up a wide specter of photos, but gradually I began to get a, a large response, particularly obviously to the ones of gay men Speedos and me on vacation in Mykonos and Fire Island and Rio. And over time, responding to my audience, I winnowed the collection down and began to focus explicitly and solely on gay male history, and particularly through my eyes.
0: It strikes me that you must have been someone all these years who took and kept a lot of pictures, because these come from before the age of digital
5: photography. So did you just have like boxes and boxes of photos around your home? I was rare uh, in so far as I knew, I'm one of those people that saves things because I know I want them someday. And I'm yeah. not a pack rat, but I, I, I do pay in attention to it. And I also knew I'd want to know what I looked like and what my friends looked like and the vacations look like. So I took these photos at a time when it was a pain in the ass. You know, to carry a camera everywhere and take these photos, which pissed off all my friends because I was stopping to take a picture. Right. Um, you were like the dad. Right. Who makes, but, uh, it, <laughs> makes their family
0: ha- smile in front of the
5: Grand Canyon. They're happy now. Of I'm course. sure. But um, – and then I'd have to bring them back. And by the way, it cost $100 to develop those photos after a trip in 1980 dollars. That was a lot of money. Yeah. And – How many pictures were there? I would come back with – 150 250 from a trip Wow and winnow them down because I want to show them off to my friends you know to 60 or 80 because that's the maximum they'd look at Mm. and then I'd put them in an album in order uh, and I'd forget about them but I happen to have an elephant's memory for details, so I can tell you within a few days when they were taken who was in them what was going on so the combination of being organized focused on photography and having that memory means that now i can tap back into it and provide a window into the past for particularly today's millennial audiences are
0: there any other attributes of
5: yours that uh, are like an elephant's mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, to be seen on private uh, audiences <laughs> uh, tom when mike
0: first approached you the idea was to perhaps turn these pictures into a coffee table book whatever became of the coffee table book
4: well uh, my experience with books these days no one buys them unless you have an audience And it's kind of a one-off and it's done and it's out there. And I've been getting a lot more into storytelling and and telling my own history, talking to other people about, I I, uh, co-wrote a a biography with a Paralympic athlete talking about her life. So I told Mike, I said, well, you know, what you've done for yourself, can we do this for other people? Get them to share their pictures and share their stories. You know, whenever I go into a, a junk store, I see a photo album. It, it's lost, it's sort of like Providence, like it's not connected to you, it's like an orphan. Like, who are these people? What right. happened there? It's like, well, let's get these people to put this out there, because if we don't do that, it's going to be lost to history. And I, I go on and on about how history changes constantly. It's fluid. Yeah. And if we don't proactively record our history, it's going to be erased.
5: And frame it in our own way. So and our own, can, basically
4: forest. control our narrative. And that's that's first and foremost important for us to do, especially in this era now, because they're just trying to change, you know, the belief of what happened. And, like, everyone seems to have their own pride day now. It's like, you know, you don't understand what certain, you know, subgroups went through. So we need to get that concrete and into the, the history books.
0: Absolutely. And, you know, vintage photos, I'm someone who loves any kind of vintage photo. I always look at what clothes people were wearing in that era, their hair, what New York City looked like in a different time you know but why do you think these in particular these photos of LGBTQ life resonate so much with with the people that followed you on Instagram and now follow the website
5: it's pretty clear Um, to be blunt I think today's millennial generation faces a kind of a crisis uh, in terms of making it through life there's no path the way there was for us they're not special as gay and lesbian trans people are like everybody else in the areas where we're accepted and so they look back on a simpler time and when we had it easier and we met in person and when you knew you were gonna get a job it was gonna last for ten or twenty years and there's a nostalgia that's been built up around the clothing the music everything and so they forget about what we went through that was challenging we have to constantly remind them I could have been fired disowned by my family every time I got a sore throat or a pimple I went to the doctor to make sure I didn't have HIV I was in the hospital all the time going to wake so there's a plus and a minus, but I think there's a, a nostalgia building for our past and we're tapping into that and it's become a global story. We get people from Laos, Turkey, Nigeria, Venezuela, you wouldn't believe it, reaching out and they want to share in the rights that we've won for ourselves, but they also want to share their stories with us.
4: I, I would also add to that point is that in history tends to remember the big moments, the stone walls, you know, marriage equality, but it's a small intimate, personal stories that are forgotten. And I I sort of say this as sort of like all the statistics and facts about World War II in the world, it's appalling, but you get one diary of Anne Frank, a little story of a girl's life, that brings you to tears, that you connect with, that you identify with and that you'll make a difference in the world. So getting those everyday stories and pictures, and I think the things about what Mike is showing is the people on the beach are just like everybody else. Right. You know, and it could be you. It could be your friends, and and communicating. We're no different than anyone else, and there's there's a sort of an innocence in that we want to share.
0: I'm curious if Ryan and JB are two millennials in the room feel that way. If you yeah. feel like you, you, you kind of wish you could have been back. Oh my at, God, when the, at a time when the community are was so close me? knit.
2: I I mean I I grew up in Connecticut uh, right and in, in the 90s, and I always um, when I would come into New York. I remember as a, as a child. Just being in awe, my parents would take me to the restaurants in Hell's Kitchen, and kind of just like, I I I long for, you know, the '90s in New York, and and like, I that that nostalgia that you're talking about has um, inspired me aesthetically, and and um, it was a simpler time, and I wish that I was alive for it and could uh, uh, enjoy it in that way, because it's it's such a different world that we live in, and being gay is such a um, we just I'm a I'm part of this app generation where everything is, is on the phone and it's not like really connecting with people.
5: Well that's the problem is that it, it takes us away from being connected rather than brings us toward it. And there was a sense of community right in the seventies among gay men and among lesbians and then with AIDS they brought us together. Now we're this complicated LGBTQIAA group, which we call a community, but it's really more of an alliance, mm-hmm. you know, in terms of trying to get rights. But how do we find a way of connecting and being together? And that's one of the things we're trying to, to achieve.
4: Plus, I, I, Go ahead. I, and on a bigger level, it's just not with the LGBTQ community. It's with the world in general, is how do you create community? Yeah. You know, we used to, in the in the 80s, I remember I could go sit at Raffaello, which is a coffee shop down 7th Avenue, and have a coffee. And it felt connected. You know, Wednesday- for me, it was Big Cup. Yeah, well, it Big Cup. I and miss then, Big Cup so and much. Then Wednesday night at Uncle Charlie's was Dynasty night. Right, and and so every night you could do something. You felt like you're part of the people, and that was so wonderful. About New York, particularly, and the, the cities, is you felt you're part of a community. Now, and to think- be
0: fair, you guys do go to drag well, shows. I was going to say
2: RuPaul's Drag Race has definitely become sort of the modern version of that, where it's like every Thursday night you can get together with your friends, whether it be at a bar or at someone's apartment, and you
4: just like have this shared sort of, you know. Let me ask you, in terms of coffee shops, we had Big Cup, we had um, Pink Teacup, we had Shazas, we had all these places you got together, and they weren't trying to get you in and get you out. And they weren't
0: about drinking.
4: Or sitting there on your computer running your little business. You know, you met people.
0: I used to go to Big Cup to hook up. Literally, because there were just all these like loungy chairs and sofas and all the gay mags were there and you would just pick up a magazine and thumb through it and you'd be cruising people. And, you know, if someone cute walked in, you'd start talking to them and then you'd leave together. And
2: that's like the New York that
4: I. I I met guys at the the Oscar
5: Wilde bookshop. But, you know, you write
4: bookstores too, or 18th and 8th. I could go in there by myself and just sit at the bar by myself and start talking to people next to me. Not not. You know, there's nothing like, it'd be nice if something's hot next <laughs> to me and go home with it. But I just felt connected to the city. Right. And now, now
0: everyone's got their phone in front of their face. Well, and, Ryan, and, Ryan, and it's,
4: t- ha- it's hard to connect in an ATM, you know, booth or, you know, whatever is replaced to everything. That and Ryan, you talk
5: about, you know, having drag nights, et cetera. But if I understand correctly, generally people that already know each other. Yeah, but you also, get brought together. Generally, yes. Yeah.
2: But at the same time, like, I've definitely been at a bar because we're all feeling the same way so right. it's so suddenly you're there's someone next to you and, and you're responding and they're responding and it's right. kind of like oh you know like there's still an opportunity to connect with a stranger through this sort of right. um, program but it's uh, it's not the same well it I really hear is from not people
5: you know all over the, the world really but certainly around the US about how they feel this lack of connectedness and even if you go on Grindr and even if you hook up with somebody the odds are there's not a cuddle afterwards much less friendship or right. dating, mm-hmm. and so One of the things we're doing at BAMR, we're not only documenting the history and doing it in a way that we have control of. Uh, We're also trying to build a sense of community and we're doing it through a couple of ways. One is we have writer's workshops where we teach people to tap into their memories, make sense of their lives, tell their stories in ways that other people can engage with. And secondly, we are organizing meetups, we call them, of people that belong to this community. And I've done them from Barcelona to Tel Aviv to London to L.A. to Puerto Vallarta. Uh, we're having one in New York next Wednesday if anybody hears this and wants Amazing. to come, get, me, get in touch with me. I love that. How long
0: after you won? When, when did you guys launch Bammer? The site. Uh, the,
5: the mem- we actually launched it a year ago uh, at the Fluid Project, a uh, uh, gender-neutral it's clothing there, store yeah. that a friend of mine opened. Rob Smith opened last year. Yeah, it's a cool store. And then we launched the member section, which is where you can go and join and, c- and connect with each other through direct messaging in February.
0: And how long after you launched it did you start receiving submissions of photos and stories?
4: We, we actually started on Facebook as a private group mm-hmm. because it's just easier to get people there than drag them off to a site. And, and so we did that as a sort of beta group. We got our first 100, 100 stories and moved over to our website. The whole idea is to have a safe space to have share your stories. And then once they're edited and the best of them, we push out to the public site that anyone can access. So there's a sense of, of safeness that you can put anything up there. No one's going to see it until you approve it. Right. To be um, clear. Oh, go ahead. I was going to say is that the other thing that's interesting is um, the whole idea of when you share an experience with someone, and someone it resonates with someone, you create community. Yeah, Community is based on spirit. I mean, our society is, shared experience is the mortar of society. And so that goes beyond the gate community, very much of it. But I was going to say, the other thing I've been founding, finding is we work with a lot of our writers. It's kind of like therapy. And once they get into it, once they discover what they have to say, once they finally have a voice, and start walk, writing about their past, they suddenly realize they made a difference, you know, particularly for LGBT people of a certain age. If you don't have kids to sort of project in, into the future, just finding what your values, what you contributed to. They're it. leaving
5: a legacy. Yes. And it's
4: very cathartic to go through to understand, because if you grew up in the 80s and 90s, you went through a lot of terrible times. As I call it, the best of times, the worst of times. Yeah. And as you write that down, you make sense of it. And to make sense of your life gives you a great sense of purpose. And when it resonates with someone, so they're like, oh, my God, I'm relevant. Because I, I particular for a gay man I know, everyone says, oh, I'm invisible. Well, yeah, but then change, you know, it's not about getting laid every time. Sharing your story and someone's crying or someone's, like, hugging you. I mean, I'll write something and someone send me an email. So that really touched me. And I'm just like, oh, my God, I've connected. Right. So staying connected is incredibly... In able.
0: terms of LGBTQ history, I feel like... Photos and firsthand accounts of the Stonewall Uprising—that's kind of like the Holy Grail, right? Because there are so few of them out there. As it was happening, m- most people didn't realize, "Hey, it's the dawn of the modern LGBTQ rights, you know, era." Let's take pictures. So, what ha- have you gotten any any firsthand uh, or secondhand photos or, or we, stories? We have,
5: but to be honest with you, they're coming out of the woodwork right now for this 50th year celebration. Right. And not to diminish that importance in any way it's amazing but once we're past this milestone there's so many other moments in people's lives and history can be last year as well as 50 years ago absolutely so the stories we're getting are powerful and i'll talk to these particularly millennials and they'll say well look my life isn't very interesting nobody wants to read about what i've done and i'm like you know, Tom's helped me realize we each have a great story within us, and we've got dozens of moments that if we tell it in the right way, anybody would want to listen to. Right. So that's what we're trying to do is to bring out their experiences and share them in a way that other people resonate with, which leads to that connection in that community. I, I,
4: I believe that everyone has the greatest book ever written inside them, mm-hmm. right? The problem is they can't get it down on the paper. Your head tends to edit it. If we can teach them how to get it up, everyone has a unique story. Life is a miracle for every person. You just get it down in your right vocabulary. And I would say also, it's very important that the um, Stonewall and the big events are recorded, but a lot of people are doing that. I saw in sort of a breaking moment, a few, like 10 years on HBO, there was a special Vanessa Redgrave as a lesbian in the 40s with her her girl, her her wife. She falls off a ladder, dies. The family of Vanessa Redgrave swoops in, steals the house, and she's out on her own. Mm -hmm. It was so disturbing to me. A little story that would probably never get a history book unless someone writes that. It's like, And, and, and and it still makes me cry that that happened to people in the forties and that's not going to be recorded unless we get those down. Those are the stories that are going to move people.
0: Of the stories and pictures that you have received and published on, on BAMR. What's one that really just like blew you away?
4: Oh, geez. They all do for different reasons. We work so closely with people. Um, God, Mike?
5: To be honest with you, the, there are so many meaningful and, and moving moments in everyone's life that you don't even think about until we help you kind of go back over your memory and they start to bubble up.
4: Well, I, I would say, in a selfish way, you know, one, a couple of mine that I wrote about, you know, someone I was dating and then I broke up and I went on a holiday and I came back and they were dead. Mm. And, and trying to write about that. I've thought about it until I got it down. I was like, okay, I got it in. I, I still have a little guilt about it, but it's what we did back then. And when you start writing the details, here's the other thing about what we try to do is, you know, your memory, it's all in your head. And when you start looking around in the past, like a flashlight in a closet, suddenly you remember another fact about it. You Hit one, and this, at least I've another. said this to Ryan. Like, oh my God!
0: Because Ryan always says, you, "You always say you have a terrible memory and you can't remember anything." No. And I'm like, "If you start writing about it, it will come back." Totally.
4: I, it's, it's it's the difference between memory and recall. Yes. It's all in your brain. Once you start accessing one memory, something. Oh, I forgot that's what happened. And the more when you write it down, the clarity comes out. And history is totally. Um, I want to say it's, it's, it's subjective to what your memory is. And your memory is just as valid as anyone else because that's how it affected you.
1: Right.
2: But I also think about, you know, that sort of saying like a picture is worth a thousand words. When I look at a picture, I can remember every detail, what I was smelling, what I was feeling, what I was... It's like not always crystal clear, but it's it's amazing what just even... Like I'm, I'm glad that you guys are including the stories and, and, and have sort of that... Connected to it, but I love the idea of also looking at a photo and not knowing the story right. and, and sort of creating my own idea of, of what this experience is. And sometimes it's very clear and sometimes it's not. And um,
5: yeah. We, we should be clear we, though that, you know, not everyone has a photo from those important moments in their life. Sure, sure. So we bring photos out of that era or from the place where it happened or them at that age. The story can be told. In text, mm-hmm. it can sure. be told in photos. It can be told in video. It can be told in podcast. And we're finding out that particularly millennials listen to things in many different ways. And in order to reach a large audience, we have to we have to deliver it in that way. Mm-hmm. So we're going to be putting things in all those forms. Mm-hmm. Um, and the best. Well will ultimately, ultimately end up in a, in a podcast series we call Bammer and Me, which is being launched this week. Fabulous. Um, it starts off with me and a 25-year-old documentarian from Atlanta talking about our lives across the generations and looking at photos of each other and telling each other the stories and asking questions about it. I but then that. we're going to bring in other people that I meet like you do, you know, from different points in time. And today I was just talking to a Sri Lankan in, in Dublin. He was writing a story for me about being bullied when he was growing up in his, in his home country. Last week, I talked to a 26 year old Jehovah's Witness in Albuquerque whose family walks past him in the street without acknowledging him. There, there are different stories from everywhere, every time period. We,
0: we have just a couple minutes left. For people listening, if they if they want to submit to Bammer.co, how do they do so?
4: If you just um, go to sign up for Bammer.co and a membership and then submit the story, send us an email. We tend to work with most, most writers. People tend to send, send stories that have, you know, it's their whole life story. Right. And I go, no, 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 just, okay, stop. That, that right just give there. us a moment. No, no, just that one moment, you could write that into a whole story. And just sort of, like puzzle pieces, eventually it'll all be there. Um, and it's funny, because most people come with these huge stories and suddenly, like, and then I saw him kiss, and I thought, mm, maybe I'm gay. No, no I, I, stop there. Tell just that. Right. Don't feel like you have to get it all. So we work very closely with writers. Well, two
5: things, Adam. One is most people write from their brains because that's what we're taught in school and business. And storytelling is about coming from the heart. True. So tapping back totally. into how you feel about what was happening, not telling me just what was happening. Secondly, we are going to be having a writer's workshop in Puglia at a gay-owned boutique hotel the last week of August where we're taking people and teaching them how to do this. So those that might be interested in being part of that, please let us know that as well.
0: Awesome. In the time remaining, it's time to play everyone's favorite game, Ask Me No Questions. Hey, ask Me No
4: Questions. Ask Me No Questions. Yes.
0: Describe a photo you wanted to post on Bammer but couldn't because it was too graphic.
4: Mm. Oh, yeah. I can do a few of those. <laughs> 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 um, it was more, more trying to push it out on Facebook for Bammer because it got... It kept Put in, your mouth right in front oh, of that it, Basically, it was kind of a cute butt shot. And just a story of, you know, I, I'm a photographer, so and I love Artie pictures of men women whatever but um like i said it it you know the way actually instagram to it too is they're pulling pictures that don't work so it's it's
0: we've posted it's, our butt pics on facebook i know
4: they're, I, they're, they're getting deleted some, some more reason and more now. Yeah. but some reason i'm getting called on it you know
0: okay i'm gonna name a decade and you guys tell me your favorite gay porn star from that decade <laughs> ready we're gonna go fast
4: 1970s oh geez that, I, I don't, that's sort that of a butt for my time but
5: this is weird. I prefer written porn to, to, to video and oh. picture porn because mm. I can imagine whatever I want Who, Do up. you
0: have a particular favorite writer of erotica?
5: I,
4: I don't even think they had names. <laughs> <laughs> it's like
0: Dirk Harder right. and stuff. Uh, so any of these other decades, same thing? 80, 80s?
4: 80s, Tom Brock. I remember the video. It's oh, just, I remember Tom Brock. It's just him in front of a window whacking off. You can off. say whatever you want on it this just, podcast. It, it's just him in front of a window whacking off. But what's interesting, he's so into it. It's, it's, I was like...
0: It's exciting it's when you it, see someone really enjoying yeah, himself. Exactly. 90s.
4: Oh, God. Just too much. To, I, I, no one in <laughs> too particular. Many. And today. I, oh, I, I, I don't know, know, watch I,
5: porn. There's por- everywhere you turn, there's porn. I know. So, yeah.
4: I'm sort of fantasizing now about the manager in the, uh, the uh, Elton John buyout.
5: Oh, I haven't seen it yet.
4: Oh, see, really hot. Yeah, so.
5: I do pay for one uh, only
4: fans Yeti
5: on Instagram at YETI so that, that I find him worth following. There you go. Yeti. Who are
4: your favorite
0: photographers of all time?
4: Oh, I would say, um, Brisson and the, the classics. Um, trying to think any, um, just the classic Avedon. Um, Arbus. Arbus, definitely. Uh, it's interesting because Arbus today would get like shamed, right? Bat shamed. Or, mm. you know, back then she was, she was capturing some really interesting people on the street.
0: Absolutely. Uh, what's the wildest scene you ever personally witnessed in all your years living as a Witnessed gay man? or participated Either in?
4: Either one. Ooh. Um, well, on a certain birthday, I was in a, uh, I did a weekend um, sort of camp for a. It's an S and M camp. Oh,
0: hmm. you held it or you ran it? I
4: was in it. You were a
0: part of it. How many men?
4: Straight and gay. Oh, which is fascinating. How many? Wow. What? How many people? Yeah, like a hundred.
0: And everyone's just whipping everyone else and
4: bondage. Well, the, the, well, the thing—the point is, there there is two women getting ready. One is on her hands and knees, and the other was going to be doing something with her fist. Uh oh. And I just ran out when I heard the sound of what was happening. Oh, dear. My friend came out, white as a ghost. I don't even know what, I just don't know what she's doing, but let's say it involved punching.
5: In my case, you can go to bammer.co and read the two stories. One's about me in the meat rack in the pines. Yes. Uh, and the other is about awesome. me in um, the mine shaft in Manhattan.
0: Awesome. I want to thank both of you for being here. Mike Balaban, Tom Walker. I keep wanting to call you Mike Walker, who (laughs) used to work for the National Enquirer. Um, The website is bammer.co. Your Instagram is bammer47. Uh, I wish you guys continued success with this. I think it's beautiful what you're doing and really important. Ryan Frost, you've got
2: something coming up tonight. You need to plug it. My one-man cabaret show, Defining Faggotry, is at the Duplex. Shows at 4. Doors open at 3.30. You can get tickets at purplepass.com. JB, how can people follow you?
3: They can follow me on Instagram at Stocking Anarchy. That's S-T-O-C-K-I-N-G-A-N-A-R-C-H-Y 12.
0: Tom, do you have any uh, social media you want people to follow you on?
4: Um, I just I, Let's just stay with the Bamber.co. It's the best at Bamber 47.
0: All right. Thank you both right. so much for being thank here. I want to thank hey Ryan Frostig and JB. Where's my uh, script? Oh, my God. Next week, we will be back with Scott Lowell from Queer as Folk one of our favorite guests subscribe to this podcast at dnrstudios.com don't forget to download my comedy album Adam Sank's last comedy album follow me me on Twitter and Instagram at Adam Sank email me at adam at adamsank.com have a great week bitches and a safe and happy pride Bye.